let's jump into metaverse man we, we talked about a lot of different things last time um jump into it Get, clean up anything that you think we should chat about yeah i mean so last time we were talking about just the the frontier that's open to everybody because of how quickly the metaverse is advancing and Lo and behold, between that time and between the conversation that we're having now, a lot has changed, right? Yeah. So most importantly, I think, is the way that China is treating some of the companies that were on the forefront of that tech, right? So Tencent, Alibaba, to an extent, um, and a couple other smaller ones. They're basically going through and smashing their tech industry. Jeez. And we don't really know, you know, there's a couple of theories as to why. But Tencent was actually one of the more popular. They were the ones with the most uh, the most influence in the yeah. in the metaverse market. And you know, look at them now, right? They're being brought to heel for possibly several different reasons. But we're really curious as to how it's going to shake out. I mean, Tencent. We've met several of the executives from over there because they've had a tremendous exposure to Western capital, right? Capital out here, mm-hmm. out this way, and that might be clamped down now. So that let's see. Uh, jump in, jump in, go in, go in knee deep in the metaverse. Let's go. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm going to approach this from more of like a political science perspective Uh-oh. because that's uh, you know that's a lot a lot of what I pay attention to, but the. One of the main things about the metaverse in general was that it was supposed to be kind of like the new internet, right? There was going to be space for not just everything that's happening right now, but it was going to be a layer that existed above it. And I think, I'm just kind of guessing, but one of the implicit functions of it was supposed to be a regulation-free space that people could play around in, right? We don't know what that final version would look like or whether there ever would be one, but... I think the most interesting thing is is that that was the first thing that Chinese regulators set their sights on. And I don't, you know, there's a theory out there that they're pursuing a national power strategy and that they don't find any value in consumer-oriented tech like the United States does, right? Mm -hmm. But with that happening now, I'm not really sure who's going to be picking up the mantle, right? Uh, What does the metaverse look like when the, the companies that were basically fronting it are gone. I think Facebook is going to come in now and sort of pick up where Tencent left off and run with I think they're coming in. They're going to come in hard, I think. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on there. And and you saw, I think it was you or a dear friend of mine sent me an article about they want to launch in the metaverse Facebook churches. So that's just, hey, hey, we don't need enough. We can't get enough evangelization. Let's go for it. Let's go. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, let's park it here. Let's let's leave China for a moment because we're going to go back and do that whole thing in a moment. Park it here. Metaverse. So Mm -hmm. Western inputs into this. Like how how are we going to incorporate into our lives? What do you see? What are some interesting activity that you're seeing happening here? Yeah, absolutely. So this is very recent. I think it's only a, a couple maybe a week ago, but I don't know if you saw the news, but Ray-Bans are actually yes. partnering, up, partnering up with Facebook to make camera glasses, which is, uh, I, you know, the first iteration of that is going to be that they're taking photos and videos that just straight through the glasses, but they look like consumer tech, right? Something that you can just wear without it looking awkward. And I yeah. think that's step number one, right? Step number two is probably going to be some kind of augmented reality overlay how they're going to figure it out i don't don't know but if they've gotten this far then i imagine that's step two and and that's what they've been trying to do this whole time right 
Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's funny. Where have I seen uh, glasses that you can do this before? <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so Snapchat was Snapchat. Uh, probably <laughs> a little bit more popular. And before that, you had – actually, I don't know if it was before or around it, but you had Google. They had their uh, own Google Glass had it in – I remember I was at a conference 2013. I don't think this gentleman bought the glasses. I don't think you could buy them actually. He was given them as a trial from Google by mm-hmm. Google to test mm-hmm. them out. And then he was. we met at a conference. We were hanging out. He said, check these out. It was kind of dope. It was awkward because we're not used to it, right? You're walking, then you see visualization, you yeah. see kind of tech, uh, little tech digital kind of words running across your eye and five feet in front of you or a foot in front of you. It was, it was odd. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think he's, and that's like, just think about, okay, let's take his Facebook thing. Remember, I think in the previous pod, I was mentioning that, look, Facebook has never had, had direct access to our bodies. They've had us through mm-hmm. the internet and computer where Apple, and they're on our body. Amazon even has something that's on our body. They can wear a Fitbit type thing. I forget what it's called. But that way mm-hmm. they can check their health. And, you know, just imagine when Amazon gets into selling insurance, which they will, then they're going to know our yeah. health rates and all that. It's going to be crazy. Google right. has direct access through the phone. Facebook has this now. Can you imagine? So I'm actually going to pair them up again. Using a Google product, Google Maps, how, how rich the experience could be. If you're just walking down the street in Manhattan or Chicago and, hey, in, instead of looking on your phone, Google Maps, boom, you got your glasses doing that for you. Take a look right here, boom, in 20 feet, do this, and how rich that will be. Just amazing. While you're having yeah. a conversation, it's going to be dope, man. Um, oh, yeah. It, there'll be a learning curve, and you might run into things, but <laughs> we'll see. Because it, it is – I remember when I put the Google glasses on back in – eight years ago, that would have been uh-huh. – uh, it was odd. Like I was walking around. Yeah. And people are right there. They're like, dude, don't you see me? I'm like, no, I'm trying, man. Bumped into you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's going to be kind of interesting. That's that's one thing. What else do you think could be kind of – I'll say one thing, right? You know mm-hmm. that we sold, our, we sold our place during this time. A lot of people were kind of hesitant to come and visit, as were we to go visit other places. Matterport, this has been around for quite some time. You know the real estate game better than I. But Matterport, literally they come in and they take – this they they stage like a tripod with a camera right. on it, and they mm-hmm. all over your thing, and they and people can literally zoom in and see every little detail, and and just as if they were walking through. And it actually helped the real estate industry during the pandemic, right? Become a boom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was severely handcuffed, handcuffed during the pandemic, and they were able to sell real estate as things opened up, and that was another way just to kind of see things because we know that real estate market was kind of hot in the burbs, <laughs> and this is the way yeah. they were doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Matterport's a really interesting thing, right? I, I remember a couple of years ago seeing it in like higher end locations and, you know, buildings and um, actually a lot of like commercial spaces too. Yeah. But now you see it everywhere. And I don't know if it's something that's being subsidized by larger real estate companies that are trying to get like, you know, the product moving, but it's incredible, right? You can walk through and do a tour of a place without actually stepping foot in it. I don't know how that's going to change the market in general because, you know, if you're a, a thousand miles away, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you can yeah. you can uh, look through a place and buy it if you really like it. I love it, and you know it's funny because we we hit on this last time, and I think I thought travel could be a complementary piece to physical travel, uh, and mm-hmm. I missed you know, and that's what I, the point I was trying to make last time, which I would say like you said a thousand miles away if you could see a place. Well, let's say I can go to I want to go. I'm planning with the family a London trip or something, and then all of a sudden we, I'm um, desperate three weeks away, a month away, two months away, but then I want to go hit it up. 
uh, I love something. I want to go experience it in the metaverse. As soon as I get mm-hmm. back two days later, I can, I'll be able to have, be able to do that or meet up with friends from globally. It won't, right. as you and I both are kind of hitting on the same fact, it's not going to replace, but it will complement travel. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's interesting. And it like, what do businesses, you know, how can businesses take advantage of this? It's so new that it's pretty, it's like, it's so new that I don't think anyone really knows yet, but you're starting to see it, you know, going back to our metaverse conversation, you're starting to see like companies investing in or creating NFTs, right? And that's that's very standard fare for metaverse. So um, you're starting to see people, a lot of companies buy like Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general, which is the currency that would exist in the metaverse. So it's, it's cool. I think a lot of comment, like a little bit less on the, the fringe businesses, right? They're starting to extend tentatively into this into this new like arena because no one really knows what comes next, which is exciting. Yeah, well, the beauty of it is like so. Right now, all of, many of us consume TV, film, and this is a fictional world that we get to kind of escape. It's escapism for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. With the metaverse, we get to kind of immerse ourselves in it a bit deeper and just the connections you'll be able to develop there as far as with different objects and different, it's just going to be amazing. And yeah, we, mm-hmm. we don't, we can't even fathom what we're going to be doing with it 10 years from now. So when the real and unreal worlds begin to blur, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to oh, be yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you do in an environment where resources are, are essentially limitless, right? Like we create yeah. NFTs in the real world, land is scarce, right? There's only a certain amount of it. <laughs> What's that phrase? It's not like they're making any more of it. But yeah. um, in the metaverse, that kind of thing doesn't necessarily, that, that kind of thing doesn't exist. So what happens to an economy that exists in an area where resources are essentially infinite, right? You have things like NFTs, which require, like those are scarcity. Those are designed scarcity. But what comes after that, right? It's really interesting. And we said last time, lack of physics in the space, limitless. Uh, can science be redefined, right? Chemistry, physics, we t- all these things that you may be able to mix and have different reactions in the metaverse might be kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But phys- science, let's see. It's just, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, it, it's going to be fascinating. You, you brought up NFTs, right? So mm-hmm. Coinbase, I think, did like 200 mil in fees alone, right? In the month of mm-hmm. August, I thought September was going to be a killer month. It was for two days and it came crashing down, right? right? So I'm I'm hearing, I have a lot of friends in this space, right? You do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing and what some patterns we're seeing is you're going to see person A sell something to person B sell it back mm-hmm. to person, sell it to C, sell it to D. What we're finding out in some cases, not all, they're driving up valuations by some, one person has three, four accounts or a, among friends, they have a few different accounts and they're selling it, buying it, selling it, showing uh, desire and demand. And then some other knucklehead comes in and pays a bag for it, right? <laughs> to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't mind paying these little fees. You know, one guy, so they, it was proven. There's one guy who did that and, three X is money in like two hours or something like that doing that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's happening a lot. Uh, but you know, that thing will kind of calm down at some point, but it's a, it's the wild, wild west. Cause it's a global play, right? There's no downtime in it. Yeah, exactly. It's, and you know, is it in the real world that I think the closest analog we have is, is obviously art, right? Like, uh, yep. classical art and 
and, and perhaps even the way that uh, the music industry has masters, right? Like you, you own the master, you own essentially the rights to the product of the licensing yep. at least. But in, in the NFT world, there aren't those regulations that would necessarily keep bad actors out of the system. So yeah, yeah you have people who are really quickly pumping the value of the assets that they own. Some people are like buying a thing, tearing it up into thousands of little pieces and selling those pieces that then have their own value because they were originally part of the original yep. art, right? Like it's, yep. it's pretty crazy how, you know, when things are digital, there's no, there's no cost to uh, putting work into a, a thing and changing it, right? There's no yeah. cost physically to changing something. So the forms that these NFTs are going to take are going to be crazy. It's gonna be, and then Sotheby's, they 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 double down, right? <laughs> they just did yeah. that. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. I think they did it first about two months ago, and then they did one again a week or two ago, uh, mm-hmm. which was in a tremendous traction. Even in that first, that was a Daisy guy that bought the. I think it was a South Asian guy who bought for that seventy million dollar piece um, way back. What was it called again? The oh my god. Uh, the main, the one, the main, the first guy who was like, remember the 5,000 pieces he put together every day, he painted something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what sold for 70 million. That was an Indian guy who bought that. Oh, really? I did not know that. And he bought that with Ethereum that he probably got for a couple cents initially. And then he had, now he's probably sitting on 400 mil and he's wanting, it was a flex for him. It's probably, it may right. not be worth that now, but dude, he doesn't, he's like, look, I got this for, and the, what the Ethereum that I bought for a thousand dollars is worth like six hundred mil now. So let's go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's gonna. I, I'm gonna park this for a moment because I want to come back mm-hmm. to this and get say your vantage point on a lot of things later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm gonna come in like the value of certain things, money, and how you see things, and how, how you're spending differently than my generation is gonna sure. be interesting, right? Because I yeah. think there's gonna be a lot of wealth created. And look. Someone in their 40s versus someone in their 30s versus someone in their 20s is going to be spending money, spending a million dollars differently, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. And, and not, not to say that one's going to be less wasteful than the other, right? It's going to be <laughs> wasteful on what, right? So yeah. a 40-year-old dude might buy a couple cars or a house or something, right? 20-year-old mm-hmm. is going to get like sneakers and shit like that, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they're going to buy. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're not going to go a house isn't on their horizon per se, right? Uh, right. You know, a 30-year-old, I, I don't know what they're doing. So it's... W- w- Give your take on that. I'm, I'm curious because, like, if you get a lot of wealth, I had this conversation with someone, my mm-hmm. my friend's nephew. Actually, he was at a party we were at just recently, and I asked him, "So, what? You, you, know, you get folks who are making the kind of money we're make, you know, people make later in life, right? And right. then if you fall into it at 20s, it's like we see NBA players, you see art, you know, musicians, and all that. This happens now. Mm-hmm. This can happen at scale to the regular dude named Joe living in his mommy's basement, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, so what? Uh, tell me, go with that. Do you think there's a is it scary? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's also, it's just different, right? When the conversation comes back to what you were saying earlier, like, how are we spending our money differently? I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's entirely all that different because we're still pursuing status symbols, right? It's just the nature of those status symbols have changed. So whereas before people would be searching for you know, like art, cars, things like that. Yeah. We're paying attention to that, but so much of what exists now has become commoditized, right? It's, it's gotten, and this is and this is the market at work. Things become cheaper because production becomes easier or more efficient. And so a lot of things that were more expensive 20, 30 years ago and have become inexpensive now, right? 
they're still valuable to us, but only because of artificial scarcity, right? So this is going yeah. back to like the shoes example, the streetwear, right? These are, this has always existed to a degree, but there's a reason that like Supreme drops are so popular and are, are such a news event, right? Because yeah. they're only making X amount per of a thing and then that's it. And um, I think that translates really well over into the internet space too. Mm-hmm. There's NFTs that's, scarcity right there's a there's only a, a certain amount of this particular thing made and then if you want to buy it you have to pay for it because that's it um yeah and we're we're looking for ways to express individuality right yeah yeah in things that have become really commoditized and so now we're trying to search for different ways to get around it yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And like you know, putting a thing in the on just physical art, right? That's always a a, a created and a creative market. Uh, yeah. If someone like if some high net worth individual owes like ten million for some deal to somebody, he can just you know he or she can provide a piece of art, take this, it's the value, and that can go cross borders sometimes. Yeah. without any taxation on it right it's a, it's a nice way to transfer it. yeah. it's you know the, these kind of things happen let's just say and in the i can imagine in the nft space it's going to be phenomenal i like the space i thought the what was it the hmm. where they board had ten thousand board ape, board apes thank you so it, yep. and they were dope so the, my friend we had him on the pod just two weeks ago alex mm. uh he used to he just left solana and solana released oh, cool. those ten thousand ten thousand pieces right and they were dope yeah. they're much more in much more detail, sophisticated than the original crypto punks from 2017, which is fine. Mm-hmm. They, that, that's mm-hmm. the angle they were going for in both cases. They were kind of dope, right? But then mm-hmm. the numbers flew up really quickly in there. Um, I, let's we'll park any conversation around crypto because we'll nail it all. Like when we talk about that, you want to just jump into El Salvador and just pull that in here? Yeah, why not? We can uh, um, definitely could. It's, run with it first. Run with this. Tee us up. Yeah, I mean, um, essentially, Bitcoin law was passed in El Salvador. Uh, sometime around June, June 8th, I believe. And it basically gave Bitcoin the status of legal tender within uh, El Salvador after uh, last week. Last week was the uh, initial date. It was Crazy. proposed by the president, President Bukele, I believe is mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. But yeah, you can uh, you can use Bitcoin as legal currency out there now. And the cool thing, I think if you have, even he announced this two months ago about, hey, if you have three Bitcoin in your wallet, you own you own them, you can have El Salvadorian uh, status, resident status. Correct. <laughs> citizenship. Yeah. I'm like, dude, yeah. imagine what kind of tax haven that's going to be. Yeah. Uh, the, the numbers aren't insane though. Like he owns, it's, uh, oh geez, it owns like 400, 500 coin, Bitcoin, I think. I yeah, don't remember the numbers. It's like less than 20, 25 mil given on given day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and their GDP is 27 billion is their GDP, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if they have around 20 million, you know, 0.001%, it's that's cool, right? But the, the yeah. hype and perception around it is kind of interesting. Yeah, you wonder if it's kind of a, it's a, are they pursuing a strategy as like investment by offering status in a tax, in a, in a very low tax country? You know, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. It, it's yeah. cryptocurrency now, but you can think of a couple of tax statements around the world that previously did very similar yep. things. And, yep. you know, I don't, does it actually benefit? Does it actually bring as much benefit as they think it will? I don't know. Um, because it's 
so new. I mean, they have a lot. They have a lot of things to work through, especially considering the fact that they only have four hundred coin, like Bitcoin. Yeah, you know, one area may help in. So there's a lot of people that come to the states or like the Middle East and work there, and then send money back to their original countries of you know right, yeah. where their families are from. So they pay right? remittance fees. Is exactly where I was going. So. Yeah. You know, this is going to come after Western Union, all these crap shops like that, right? Because they take a huge mm. chunk. If you're sending like 150 bucks back, they might take, I don't know, I, their fees are quite substantial. I don't know what they are, but mm. I've heard they're north of 5, 10% or something, somewhere along that, right? I mean, that they're insane. And that's, that's a lot. Someone's working their tail mm-hmm. off here, sending money back to Mexico, to, uh, you know, South America, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, and that, it, they're going to be able to swipe swap that. You just put it in your wallet and the family can access it. And boom, there's no value loss or deterioration besides the volatility <laughs> per se yeah. in the market. Right. Uh, so that could be great. Mm-hmm. And oh, go ahead. You about to say something. No, uh, I, I agree. I think it'll be and you know, perhaps they packaged this to the pop. You know, they, they put forth this idea by packaging in that in it that like putting cryptocurrency around it and saying, Hey, this is going to be really helpful with remittances and everything to the general population. From what I hear, it's still not as popular on the ground as we would have thought. Um, yeah. As they were hoping it would be right. Like there's stories about people setting Bitcoin ATMs on fire and <laughs> protesting, <laughs> protesting the use. So well, like, you know, we'll see how it comes out, but I know that it, he tried, he seeded everyone. I think, uh, everyone in the country with a digital wallet with $30 worth of Bitcoin in it so that people could start using it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a nice incentive, right? And you don't, and just to get on that point as well. So there are only, there's 7 billion people in the world. Okay. We, we know this, right? Roughly. And there are only 1 million active NFT wallets per se. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that's pegged on Ethereum. Right. And which isn't, we're not even touching on it yet. I'm just saying, and just, Take these numbers and apply them across the board on anything, Bitcoin, whatever you want. Even if you mm-hmm. capture 5% of the global market, that's a 350x from here. Uh, you know, it, it, like the three, 400 million, 350 million, if you want to catch just in the NFT space, right? And then you mm-hmm. parlay that out into Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's tremendous upside here, which is why. Everything so people are it's it's kind of promising. It's volatile. You're going to have your bears in this market, but it's that's the promise of it as well because there's so much upside still to capture market and people use. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so new that I think they're just I, I you know what it, it sounds like it's they're trying to essentially they just want to be they want that first mover advantage that comes with being a first country to do something like or being one of the first countries to do something like this. Yeah, you got DeSantis trying to do it here in Florida, right? So let's see what he's trying to do. And let's, let's see what he's doing. I don't know what he stands for. I think he's just, I think he, he's the contrarian. Uh, yeah. He's the, he's the AOC of the right, man. Young and dapper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, uh, tell where you want to explore the Yeah. Uh, I have friends. We should put out a few things on crypto, right? And then you mm-hmm. jump on it. You, you take it first. You want to, you know, Bitcoin store of wealth right it was the first generation mm-hmm. digital gold scalability issues a little bit right but it's stagnant mm-hmm. ethereum decentralized smart contracts worth so that's the second generation i think mm-hmm. in my opinion cardano is supposed to be it's trying it's going to be the third generation where it's scalability and interoperability on the smart contract with smart contracts and be sustainable right um, mm-hmm. ethereum is switching from is a proof of work to proof of stake right which is what cardano mm-hmm. does 
and that'll make it more efficient, less people complaining about this. But I, the energy thing is kind of mute, the conversation around this, right? Because these people don't need to be in Chicago or Manhattan or big you know, Dubai. They don't need to be in major metropolis cities. They can be in the in the in the woods, right? Just drawing. Yeah. They need low Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, bandwidth and they can just keep running this machine so that there could be the counter to it is there where they're going and staying where they don't need to be and, they, and they're looking at nuclear power and all of this so the other sustainable issues could you know they could arise and they might be the ones seeking that because they want to lower their mm-hmm. margins as well or increase their margins as well right oh yeah absolutely it's find any location with cheap electricity and set up shop um a lot of you know you, you hear an occasional story of someone <laughs> like building a wind farm and just mining crypto <laughs> right like hey yep. and, you know if that's the case more power to you you're arbitraging electric electricity prices at that point and i'll have to state this right we're not we're not giving investment advice but if you can just see <laughs> you know, we're just we're two guys chatting but if you look at okay so look all the crypto you've seen there's been there have been booms and crashes right peaks mm-hmm. and valleys that's cool and they've been more it's been more volatile than let's say the equities market let's say in the in the short period of time has been on the earth right but you can what you can look at is there's the bitcoins there's the ethereum bulls and then there's all the altcoins right and then every mm-hmm. given every given time the bitcoin and ethereums if they rise uh the the whole is there there are all coins that go up with them and crash with them there and you you hit this and that's why I'm, i want to bring this point out of you because you actually said this up top mm-hmm. What every time they crash, Bitcoin and Ethereum kind of rise up again, mm-hmm. so they're stable. They're you know, quote unquote, relatively stable. Where the altcoins may differ from crash. So run with that for a moment. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think this is a good thing, right? To have all of all of cryptocurrency moving in unison like that. That kind of defeats the purpose of it. I think they should all be moving independently of each other based yeah. on. The relative merits of what they're doing. I'm not surprised. I will say when like Bitcoin and Ethereum they go up, everything else sometimes you know things may sometimes move in lockstep. I think really um, the important part is that you should be looking at it in two ways, right? You have like the standard, the Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? They're doing their own thing. That even even after subsequent crashes, it still over time has trended upwards. Right, so the yeah. value, like they are becoming more valuable, regardless of what happens in the short term. For the altcoins, that is a little bit more dependent on like, you know, what's the project on? What what is it that yeah. they're trying to do? Uh, two three years ago, I, it was very different. It was a very different world, right? There was a lot more. It was a, a little bit more wild west. I think now the the ecosystem has gotten a little bit more stable and it's gotten a little bit more professional you have a lot more institutional money in this in the game right yeah. and so there are still lots of projects that may be just flat out money grabs but there's also a lot of projects that are actually like doing their own thing and that may be why they don't move in unison with bitcoin and ethereum yeah. anymore and some of these altcoins, they lack the network effects, right? As of mm-hmm. BC, Bitcoin, and Ethereum per se. So that's you know they're not truly decentralized. Uh, so that's another you know a positive for Bitcoin and Ethereum, even though they're mm-hmm. kind of becoming the old behemoths in the space. I remember you were talking about this 2016, 2017. I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about, man? I have no idea. What this <laughs> is. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna buy some Apple. I'm gonna buy some Apple. <laughs> yeah. And then it just took off. I'm like, oh, I should have listened a little bit. <laughs> I should have explored yeah. this area. 
well, we're still early. I mean, it, you know, I I think I I'm, I'm completely on board with you on that re, on that remark that we I think we've touched upon two percent of what we're going to do in this space, and it's yeah. a global play. And watch out. So people, things are going to crash and burn. It's so it's, you know, to just to give these folks in the crypto space, give them a break because it's innovation happening in real time. And it's quicker than a typical VC. Let's say I, I look at it from a VC approach. We need seven to eight to 10 years sometimes to incubate a company, get them out in the market and actually get the scalability. Right. Mm-hmm. And this stuff's happening every couple of months. Right. So things are going <laughs> to <Yeah>. break. So <laughs> things are going to break. And you have a lot of the best minds in the world working on it which is kind of dope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's like, right, it's not for the faint of heart, but that's why they say, like, don't be careful of how much you're putting into it. Just be wary of the fact, be aware of the fact that like things can go from a hundred to $1 to, you know, 90 to 10 in, in one day, right? Like yeah. things can change really quickly. So sometimes it's a little easier just to set it and forget it and not pay attention yeah. to what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I am scared for some people who think, and this, I learned my lumps by losing some cash, not in crypto, but early on in just equities, right? I, mm-hmm. I learned my lumps and that kind of made me hopefully a better investor. So I'm, I'm actually happy that people are getting, it's getting people investing, which I, I like that. And maybe- yeah. Maybe four or five years from now, the 20 year old, maybe at 25, is like, all right, I might do less than this and more in this. And I've, I've gotten a more, sof- not sophisticated. I have a more, a deeper understanding as to how I my, my persona around investing and what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable, the risk, risk averse, you know, so mm-hmm. you kind of, mm-hmm. so that'll come into play. And as they age into 30, 35, they'll, they'll start investing differently. Uh, or same, whatever they'll, they'll get their chops in now, which I'm cool with. Cause you know, it's getting younger people investing. I wish I had started that young and I would have learned a lot more. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sooner. You, have, you have, um, you have younger people now they are investing in like alternative assets, right? Like they're yep. buying thing. Yeah. They're buying NFTs, shoes. Um, there's services online now where you can buy like art and wine, but you own a piece of it and you can sell it as if it's, you know, it has shares and you can sell them back and forth. And these kinds of things, uh, what is that called? Um, Rally Road is a really big one for cars, yeah. I believe, yep. uh, where you can buy, you can actually buy like a share of a classic car and then yep. sell it back and forth, buy and sell. So, and these are, there's a pretty sizable amount of like younger people doing this. So this is relative, this is a good thing, right? This is how people yeah. get, start, get started early. And you can reap the benefits of it, you know, 10, 20 years down the line rather than being when you're retiring. Yep. And then like the master's works, master works, which you can get into art. There's so yeah. many different things, right? So many. And, and there are real estate plays. You hit a good point right mm-hmm. there. So that I, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be exciting. I, I like it. I like the space and give it some time to material, you know, kind of materialize, normalize <laughs> yeah. and kind of see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to get your thoughts on something. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump ship completely. Yeah. Um, Education system is a scam. <laughs> I, I, I like I like to put shock value, as my wife says. She goes, "Why you got to do all shock value at town?" I'm like, it's fun. <laughs> you know? I, and, I, and this is somewhat of an elementary remark, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to re- reel us back in, to, you know, so we can get to the place of, place of calm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to put, and I want your thoughts on this because I know you have some. So 1800s, let's say in America, system was set mm-hmm. up. After we got our independence and boom, we set up a system. Okay. It taught us to learn to sit still, 
focus, raise our hands in the current education system. And it hasn't evolved that much, right? Besides our distribution methods per se, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you speak when called upon, provide talking points that we just gave you and it's verbal regurgitation, right? right. Um, we ask for permission to speak. We're, we're a feeding ground to make students right now, I believe still the mm-hmm. best pl- employee in corporate America. You listen and follow directions. You'll have some opportunities to lead. Maybe, maybe you get an exec title. Mainly, you follow the, but you still follow the company mandate. This feeds mm-hmm. us to this feeds us to corporate mandate. I'm sorry, corporate America um, keeps us. Hey, makes 99 percent of us be followers. Mm-hmm. As the one percent get, well, I'm going all AOC on you for a minute, and she's not even my girl. That's your girl. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> I think I think she's kind of cray cray. I think she's the. We're going to get into that later. <laughs> I think she's the liberal. She's kind of the liberal Trump, but nicer to look at. <laughs> but you know, as the one percent gets wealthy off this ninety percent, ninety nine percent that is made to follow. Hey, you, you go work 40, 45, 50 hours a week, and you're cool with that as long as you get your one month of vacation, you get to buy the nice house, the cars. We get that. What we're not teaching in education, this is where I want to get your point, is financial literacy, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, proper negotiation, mental toughness. This would fast track people to the mindset that to possibly reach that one percent. Run with that for a minute. I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. Um- like you know, this is a this is a point that's been hashed out before a thousand times. But like the the format of education that we have now is a holdover from industrialization, right? We needed yep. we needed good employees that were able to go in to work from nine to five back then, nine to nine, and and yep. you know, and go home. And there definitely is something to be said about the fact that I think an implicit under an implicit lesson that's made when you go through a system like that is that at a certain point you don't have to learn anymore right and, and you see this i'm starting to see like conversations about this happening but there has to be a shift from the way that people are talking about it now being like you know you graduate elementary school and you go to middle school and you go to high school and you go to college and that's it right and then you enter this vague world of corporate America where like you may be learning, you may be not like learn on the job, that kind of thing. I think what needs to happen is there needs to be a shift where the assumption is that you would always. (laughs) Okay. I got to say, man, ladies and gentlemen, so that's in jail right now. And that's what you're hearing (laughs) in the background. (laughs) No, it's all good. It's all good. Sorry. Um, Essentially they have, they have to teach kids now that like you need to be, you need to assume that you'll have to be learning all the time. And there's a lot of avenues to do that now, right? Now, when it comes to things like, um, when it comes to things like entrepreneurship and finance, I think there are avenues for that. But would someone in high school really even be paying attention to something like personal finance, right? Like, I I know that there's certain schools that try, but it's pretty difficult to get kids to pay attention, but maybe they're just doing it the wrong way. Well, then let me run with this for a second, right? What do they really mm-hmm. care about what, you know, uh, one, some president did in the historical times in America or in mm-hmm. London, uh, a prime minister or whatever it is, some leader did that Napoleon, do they really care? Maybe take mm-hmm. 10 minutes of that out, put in 10 minutes of financial literacy. All I'm saying, just give it, give it to them subtly. They don't care about any of the subjects. Let's be honest, right? Most people don't. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I got great grades, but I don't remember what I learned there. Even in college, yeah. I got great grades. I don't know what I learned. I think I learned a lot more on the job uh, and yeah. then getting speed up in the markets, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so th- that's my counter to that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, I guess 
there is room for that. I suppose really the question is, I'm like, we have to just, we only have a certain amount of hours per day for these students to be in school. So what is it that we value that would be important for them? Like entrepreneurship, definitely. But what does the format of that look like? Right. Um, Finance, what does that look like? And And there are things that exist outside of school that people can participate in, that students can participate in to teach them those kinds of lessons. But yeah, it would require a lot of thought and basically a pretty tough conversation around what we value now versus what currently is it. You know, we're going to have to remove some things or make the school day longer. <laughs> I don't know how many I'm, people do I'm just thinking like if, if like let's say the younger and younger folks are getting potentially they might come into wealth sooner than others did, right? Other previous mm-hmm. generations, right? Because yeah. of all the different opportunities. You want mm-hmm. them to know what they're doing with their money. Like there's the, you know, I'm going to go to like, let's go to, you know, pop culture. Justin Bieber always says, I have made $200 million at 18 years and I didn't know what the hell is doing. So that's why I was peeing in a bucket, right? Right. Um, <laughs> right? So, you know, I'm a, he, now I don't know how old he is, 25, 30. I have no idea. But, so, you yeah. know, he's, yeah, he's not doing that. He says, I've, I've matured. So mm-hmm. I think just if some of these other young folks are going to be coming into this, uh, you know, capital and they want to look, pursue other opportunities, right? There's pay to play. Mm-hmm. There's other, you know, Uber. Oh, freelancing. Yeah. Freelancing. Jeez. Freelancing. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. guess what I'm trying to say is I got, I got a new app. It's in a TCU financial literacy. You can have $20. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. I'm kidding. I think it's important for younger folks just develop skill sets. Don't think about mm-hmm. it. This is one career advice I would offer and I would love to get your take on it. I guess where mm-hmm. I'm going with this too. Mm-hmm. After have been, I've been in three different industries now, and I'm. It's I've been fortunate. Things have worked out. Some things didn't. Some things did. So okay, if I look back at all of it, I built skill sets that can right. transfer with me to anywhere I wanted them to go with me. Right. So have mm-hmm. side hustles. Build skill sets outside of your kind of core area. Mm-hmm. If you go to school for computers or engineering, you don't have to stay in those disciplines, right? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, if, you know, like back in the day, 15 years ago, if I told my mom and dad, hey, I want to, I'm an entrepreneur, they're like, so you doesn't go to job? Now I think entrepreneurship, people understand it a little bit more, right? right. Uh, so I, I would say just continue to build skill sets outside of you, like in your job that you think that would land you into a position. I think your generation and even the gen, mm-hmm. you know, the younger Gen Z, I guess they're called, they're mm-hmm. getting good at this, right? I mean, hey, I'm posting yeah. something on TikTok. I'm a, I'm a mini film editor in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. You're all going to get my lighting right. That's cool. I, I'm, I, I applaud that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is also something to be said that like all of these freelancing options have really only come into fruition in the last five, ten years, right? Like yeah. Upwork, um, yep. Uber, uh Etsy, Depop, uh, I think Depop is one, right? It may just be that they're so new that that level of entrepreneurship just hasn't, like that cultural awareness hasn't made it its way through the system yet. I think one thing that will happen is as the generation that, like the millennials, right, the ones that actually started interacting with these services only recently, as we get older, and I'm going to include myself in that bucket because I, I'm on the younger end of it, but still, like, I am a millennial, right? As we get older and we start having our kids go through school and we realize, like, hey, you know, this is something that I did. It's not it's not as scary anymore, right? I think entrepreneurship has always, has not always, but for the last 50, 60 years been relegated to a small percentage of people. I think it was much easier and safer to go into corporate America and just do your thing. 
Now we realize that barriers to entry are so much lower that, hey, you know what, if you're a kid and you want to do something like that, why not?